You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Friday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Sunday coffee on a Friday. And man, does coffee taste good this morning, Charlie. Last night, I, let me tell you, I'm tired this morning. The, just the, the volatility of emotions last night where I was so mad and I was so happy and it was just one of those nights it was just mentally draining to watch a football game. I'm absolutely just spent this morning. <laughs> I felt like I played the game. And it always matters when you're playing egg pole. I don't care if you're both three and eight coming in. Yeah. The game always matters. But last night I thought just had so much extra significance. The entire season. What have you heard when you turn on the radio? What have you heard when you go to message boards? Everybody's measuring themselves against Ole Miss. We're not as good. We're not as good as they are. Why don't we do this the way they do? We were the better football team. We played bad. Played terrible at times. And I, I, when I say that, I want to exempt Zach Arnett and his crew. Yeah. They were prepared. They executed all those things. But we were bad at times. We made bad decisions at times. And we won. That's how much better. On the road, that's how much better than those guys we were. We could easily be sitting here talking about a three-touchdown win. But we were the better team. And I think the point that really drives that home and the point that says, man, just let things play out before we just fall apart being negative, so many people bought in. We, we've done it before. We had our We Believe seasons, right? <laughs> but everybody, they kind of had their version of the We Believe this year. And then they dropped, what, four out of five to end the year? Yeah, four out of five to end the year. And that was, that was interesting when I read that last night about 12 days before the game. They were 8-1, and one, ranked number 11 in the country, and everybody's talking about how great it is. And then you lose three in a row in a 12-day span. And you think about us. I mean, you think about – and, hey, we had some tough losses. We, we had inabilities of moving the football sometimes this year and had inabilities of moving it last night. But, man, let me tell you something. Uh, looking back to the late 90s, and you brought this up last night, Charlie, and I thought it was a great point. And you think back to those great defenses under Jolie Dunn in the late 90s and how we had to have the best defense in the country <laughs> to, to finish 10-2. and two. You know what I'm saying? If we'd have had the, the 20th best defense, we'd have been 6-5. and five. At best. Last night, the defensive performance of our guys last night was one for the ages. Because it wasn't just about scheme. It, and we hit them hard a couple times. But I thought last night just the ability to wrap up and tackle. It's amazing in sports. It's amazing in football about all the eye candy you see out there. And, about and isn't that a phrase you're just tired of, too? That, too. It's like somebody came up with that a few weeks ago, and now everybody wants to say eye candy. Yes. So you see all this offensive just stuff out there where you spread the field and you throw it, throw it all over the I mean, place. had that work for Matt Canada at LSU. It I didn't. Mean, he used a ton of motion. It didn't do a thing for him. No. So anyway, I'm sorry. That's like a hot button thing in my life. We got to use more eye candy. We got to more motion. Why? It all comes down 
to blocking and tackling on a night like last night. Yes. And we tackled. We and didn't. You know what else we did here? And I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bart. No, but you're I've good. been dying to say this since I woke up because I didn't realize it. I knew that we stopped the two point play. I knew that Charlton had knocked it down. What I didn't know is that if he doesn't hit that football, that's a touchdown. Easy. That is, it is blocked up. There is a lane. We're covered. And here's what is so interesting to me about that. What have we heard so many times? It doesn't do our defense any good to practice against our offense because our offense is different than anybody else. When we go ones-on-ones, when we do our team scrimmages, we're just wasting time and our defense defense isn't getting better. What happened last night? That's our play. Yes. That is one of our big plays. And Randy Charlton, you can say, maybe that statement is right. I'm not disagreeing with it. It it may be right 99% of the time. But when we had to have a play, when it was winning time last night, Lane Kiffin called the play. Took two timeouts to do it. That we were prepared for because we had been working against it. Charlton said it in his post-game interview with Neil Price. He said, I know that play. I saw it coming. Some of the best eye discipline, some of the best scheme, just, I mean, whatever you want to say, that is a big-time play. And I know it's not out in the open, so you don't see it the way you do the Robert Bean and Eugene Clinton. You don't see it like you do the C.J. Sermon's catch. But I'm telling you right now, that is one of the biggest plays in the history of the battle for the Golden Egg. I thought last night, and we said this going in, and this may have been because you're playing on the road, you're playing against the team. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I didn't think we were going to win a football game. I'm just saying, hey, going on the road and the way we've played on the road this year, you just didn't, you didn't know how it was going to play out. And we said this game was big, this game, but this game could be even more big if you could win it. And I just look at how everything unfolded last night and going forward and what this program needed. It needed a shot in the arm. It needed an offseason to carry the golden egg around. It needed some validation for what you're trying to do with a scheme, too. Right. Because here's the thing. For all the deficiencies people want to point out, and look, there are some. I get that. We're 8-4, and four, and we've gotten better every year that Mike Leach has been here. And people like to talk about where this program was when he came in. I don't think most people, obviously, you know, the, the guys who watch the program closely know, but – the guy sitting in Topeka, Kansas, the guy sitting in Bangor, Maine, he has no idea how much Mike Leach has done to turn over this roster. We have just – this roster is very, very different than it was when he got here. It wasn't like there was something that he could just come in and capitalize off of. You talk about narrative around the country, too, and what people don't realize. And we've been saying this from day one. And this is not a situation of coming in here this morning and you know, validating Mike Leach, even though there was a lot of people out there who, who had not jumped on board for Mike Leach because he had not won this game, simply because he had not won this game. But you look at how we won that football game last night. It was about toughness. It was about physicality on the defensive side and running the football. Dylan Johnson ran hard. Jaquavius Marks ran hard last night. Mike Leach got in here, and one of the things that a lot of people don't see is the toughness of this program, about the old-school attack every day in practice, how they're always doing something. They're always moving. Charlie, you and I have both been around coaching staffs, and coaching staffs do it different ways. 
and all have their positives, all have their negatives. But the thing you have to say about this program is every single day, Tyson Brown in the weight room, this is a program that is blue-collar. And last night, a Mike Leach coach football team won a blue-collar football game with defense, with running downhill. That's how we won the football game last night. If we're not a tough football team last night, we get run off the field. So let me ask you this. At what point last night did you say we're here to be a tough team? I think at the end of the third quarter, so much had been talked about throughout the game, and, hey, I may have – yeah, I may have said it to somebody's too. And what do you worry about during a game is your defense has to stay on the field so long, they're so worn down in the late third quarter and the fourth quarter that they're just dead and they can't make plays. I thought we flipped the script on them last night. I thought the final drive of the third quarter, we had the football at the end of the third quarter, and we're running the ball with Dylan Johnson, and he's getting 8, 9, 12 yards a pop. And I, I, one of the things I want to talk about, Charlie, is we came to the line of scrimmage on the after the, the final play of the third quarter. We came to the line with like 23, 24 seconds to go, and we held it. And, and you're supposed to. You're supposed to hold it. Let's just get to the next quarter, let our guys take a breather. But, man, let me tell you something. Ole Miss's defense was gassed right then. And I thought if we ran maybe one more play or two more plays running the ball, we may score a touchdown. Now, we kick the field goal at the end of it, and we go ahead 17-16. to 16. But I thought that's when we flipped the script, and I thought that our offensive line was wearing their defensive line out. So I thought it came a lot earlier. I thought it came with the way our safeties and cornerbacks played Mingo. Well, that's the first drive. I thought we sent a message pretty early on to those guys that we were going to be around. And I say the first drive, they came out and it was like soft butter <laughs> for for our defense. They got down to our to, you know deep in our territory in a hurry. But I thought forcing the field goal right there, we made some open field tackles, one on Mingo right there on that first drive, and made them kick the field goal. And then that second drive, let me ask you this: you know Mingo had the big drop, and for all 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 I hear about you know Jonathan Mingo is a great kid, and everybody likes to be around him good guy and this is not a shot at him whatsoever but you kind of wonder about the drop pass that he had that could have possibly been a touchdown that was a big drop you kind of wonder if he was thinking back to that second drive on that third down play when Jalen Green absolutely lit him up yeah I thought that one play I thought Jalen Green really set a tone and I thought it carried over I also think those Mingo drops go back to this because that guy's a good football player he is would love to have him would absolutely love to have him on our team. The thing, and we touched on this a little bit last night, there is a benefit to having Mississippi kids on your roster in this game because they understand the rivalry. Sometimes that can play both ways. I, I just wonder sometimes how much guys press. Yeah. And we saw a lot of Mississippi kids make some big plays, and we saw a lot of Mississippi kids make mistakes on both sides. And you just wonder – you know, it's real easy for me to do like I was doing, which was screaming at my TV most of the night, right, to say we ought to make a play or this guy ought to make a play. It would be interesting, though, to go back and look and to take the, the plays where you think mistakes were made or big plays were made. I think you would see a lot of extremes from both sides, from Mississippi kids. Because let me give you one on the other side, Tulu. Yeah. That, that's one of the plays of the game that ought to go down. It is probably 
the best, least successful play that we've ever had. And what I mean by that is, well, we lost like 15 yards on that play. But that was just a flat-out effort play by him that saved us. Yeah, going back and getting that ball, when the ball's rolling on the ground, Otis Reese is about to pick it up on a scoop and score, and Tulo goes back there and gets it. Now, And I don't want to be dramatic. No, but that was a massive. But don't you feel like it's almost over? Yeah, I, I mean, mean that early popping the balloon, man. Yeah, that's just too much to overcome. I mean, my balloon was popped when the ball was rolling out there on the ground. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. Tulu only got the ball twice last night. Caught the, caught two balls last night. One was a touchdown right before the end of the half. The other I thought was a huge play that kind of goes overlooked right now. When we had the ball, our first drive down three nothing at their 35. And we swing it out to Tulu left side, almost like a step-off little screen out there. Our wide receivers did an unbelievable job of blocking, gave him a seam 20 yards down to the 15. And it was almost like, all right, here we go. We got a chance to score a touchdown right here. And then you go in and score and go ahead 7-3 to three early in the game. Tulu, man, I mean, the guy, they kicked it away from him last night, and Thomas responds in the kicking game. How much of a weapon has he emerged to be, by he, the way? Our, our kick return guys have become, I mean, they are just fun to watch. They have become a massive part of what we're trying to do. And even on the opening kickoff, Xavier Thomas returns it to the 39-yard line. That was after Ole Miss kicked the I field goal. I thought that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. That was another very big play in this football game. And so you look at special teams last night, and I know we kicked it out of bounds to start the ball game, and I was that's when Don't I started. Don't tell me you didn't uh, get a little mad at that. I got not a little mad. I got a lot of mad at that. And and I usually try to stay pretty zen, but I don't know what it is about this game, man. I don't know. I just get wired up. And I told you this earlier this week, and I lied to you. I said I don't get as much anxiety watching the football game. But when it kicks off, man, last night I had high anxiety big time last night. I was playing that game as irrational of a fan as you could get in my mind. And that's why I'm so tired this morning. Bart, speaking of being tired, have we mentioned yet that we're in the roving Farm Bureau Studios today? Yeah, we're in the Roving Farm Bureau Studios again this morning, and we are at Lake Tiacata. They let us come indoors this time. Yeah, they did. Normally, we sit down under the gazebo, enjoy a little weather, get some geese mad at us. Today, <laughs> we're protected. <laughs> protected from the elk. We're being soft this morning. And I want to thank you once again. You know, when I moved back to the farm, you know, you coming halfway to meet me. Now, you're on your way out of town today, and so I appreciate you meeting me down here at Lake Tiacata. Man, and I'll tell you this. You give me an egg bowl win, I'll drive to Birmingham. I don't care. <laughs> well, I could Whatever ask you to do that, takes. too. Well, and uh, we're, I'm drinking my Strange Brew coffee, or have been drinking my Strange Brew coffee this morning that I brewed myself down at the farm. I got the uh, the grounds from strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, the blueberry cobbler flavored coffee. That's what I'm drinking this morning. Last week I went with just a house blend. This week I'm going back with the old faithful. I just feel good, Charlie. Friday morning, it's Black Friday. Good strange brew coffee. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can buy all the mugs and the shirts and the coffee online. Three locations, of course, two in Startville and then one in Tupelo at the Brupolo Turn and Spoon Ice Cream as well. So our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee and, as, as you said, the Roving Farm Bureau Studios this morning. Charlie, looking at the game, and if I would have told you before the game started that we would have had more rushing yards than Ole Miss, would you have believed that at all? I would not have believed that we would have had more rushing yards in the game than they had in the first half. 
But you actually bring up a point. Let's go back and talk about our numbers. We had our tracks plus deep dig normally on Friday. We had that on Wednesday. And we each come up with three numbers that we want to look at in this ball game. So one thing about our numbers this time, we both went low to high. That's right. And you started us off. How did your numbers break down? I think I hit pretty good on my numbers because I said the first one was we needed to get 15 pressures on Jackson Dart. And I guarantee you, man, that kid last night when he dropped back to throw a few times felt like there was 15 defensive players out there. We had 16 pressures on him last night. We got to him. I mean, we got to him. We hit him. We hit him hard. I don't think he was 100% healthy. I think we got his arm, not in a malicious way at all, but we got the pressures on him. My second number was 30, and that was the scramble yards for Jackson Dart in the game. I thought that was going to go along with uh, getting the pressures. He had four scrambles last night for 25 yards. We limited that. And I thought, too, you know, one of the big things, you know, early in the game, they try to design run, and that's one of the reasons that we kind of snuffed out that first drive and stopped that first drive is they try to design run on third, uh, second down and didn't get it, didn't get it on third down, didn't kick the field goal. And then my last number was 120, and I said we needed to have 120 yards rushing. Now, we finished the game technically with 37 attempts and 97 yards. But you take out the sacks, you take out the fumble, okay? Sack-adjusted yardage, that's what we look at. Sack-adjusted yardage, we had 151 yards rushing in the game last night. Marks had 76 yards on 14 carries. Dylan Johnson had 73 yards on 12 carries. And I want to say this too, Charlie. 151 sack-adjusted rushing yards with two running backs that were beat up. Two guys that played hard last night, not 100%. And, man, let me tell you this. We talk about our defense and tipping your cap to the defense, the way that defensive line played, the way you tackled coming up out of the secondary. Man, let me tell you something. You owe a lot of gratitude this morning. Two guys that are hurting a little bit, and that's uh, Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson. So those were my three numbers we had on our Tracks Plus deep dig. Tracks Plus now with five locations, three in Mississippi, Hickory between Startwell and Columbus, Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana, and Bessemer, Alabama, Trax Plus. All that great equipment, new or used, go to TraxPlus.com to find that great equipment. All right, Charlie, what were your three numbers? My first number was two. I said that we had to hold Ole Miss, this being an explosive offense. I said that we had to hold them to no more than two plays over 30 yards. That's how they beat people this year. They go two yards, one yard, 47. And they were a really explosive team. And and I'll say this, too, because there were, I got a message last night, well, Judkins isn't that great after all. No, Judkins is that good. Our defense just played that well. Give us credit. Now, I'm not taking anything away from that guy. But here's what happened. In the ball game last night, Ole Miss had not one play. Over 30 yards, that whether is through the air or on the ground. Unbelievable. Their longest rushing play was 17 yards. They only had four carries that went over 10 yards. That's, that is just unreal. And you want to talk about the difference in the running games? How about this? We had four carries over 10 yards for a total of 79. They had four over 10 for a total of 49, meaning we had a 32-yard carry by Marks, a 24 by Johnson. Should have been a touchdown. Their longest was 17. Through the air, you can say, man, we didn't throw the ball well. We had as many big plays in the passing game as they did. So I thought that number was going to be big. But you'll remember I hedged and I said, I'm probably 
being too aggressive with this number. Oh, yeah. I thought you were. I thought it was a number that was no way it could hit. I, I didn't. But either. I didn't want to tell you that on Friday. And I was trying to give myself a little wiggle Wasted. room after I said it because it just <laughs> didn't, didn't it felt, feel right. Well, it felt stupid to even suggest that we could do that. And not only to hold them below two, we hold them to zero. Now, my second number I was wrong on. I said we needed five touchdowns to win the game. I had no idea that our defense would rise to the occasion the way it did yesterday. No idea. And they were just phenomenal. Now, looking back, probably should have had five touchdowns. Yeah, we, we probably should have. But we didn't need them. I thought we were going to have to score in the 30s to win. Yeah, I, if you'd have told me before the game started that we were going to hold them in the 20s, I would have taken it, but I didn't think that was really possible, to be honest with you. I, I didn't either. But I think it goes back to one of the matchups that you talked about. We also look at two players, and you kind of combine their tackles into one player. I think us winning that matchup, you talked about that on Wednesday, that if we're going to be successful, we have to win that. And we did. Yeah. We, we I mean, Tyrus Wheat was a monster. He was. Buki Watson was a monster. Jet Johnson was very short tackler. But even in the secondary four, I mean, we played good. Colin Duncan. Everywhere on defense. Colin Duncan had probably his best game all year last night. My third number was 100. I said, how about this? I said we had to hold Ole Miss to 100 rushing yards in the first half. <laughs> we held them below that for the game, even adjusting for sacks. This was... If you think about football when we grew up and you say you gave up 22 points, that doesn't feel like a great defensive performance. But in today's football, yeah, holding that team to 22, hey, and one thing we haven't talked about, what if Lane kicks a field goal? Well, that too. You know, Meaning, they, you know they go for it. They go for it on fourth down. And, uh, you know, we sniff that out and end up throwing it away and Jalen almost intercepted it and it was good he dropped it. But, yeah, you kind of wonder. If he kicks the field goal there, he has just gotten tired of field goals. I mean, forcing field goals in the first half, you can't understate. And what did we say going in? I mean, you know, hey, just, just pat ourselves on the back a little bit. When you look at our, one of our strengths, the bend but don't break on the defensive side, we'll give up some yards, but we have been so good in red zone defense this season of locking things down once teams got it inside our 20. Flip the page, what does Ole Miss struggle with? You talk about the big plays, but it's almost like they don't they don't know what to do when it gets inside the 20-yard line because they can't have that big hitter. Teams you know, teams are not playing as relaxed back in the secondary, so they're, they're bringing some guys in the box. They stop the running game a little bit better. Their red zone offense has been poor, and it kind of played into our hands last night. That was the game to me, is our red zone defense against their red zone offense and forcing those field goals early. It's funny because I've heard so much criticism of our red zone defense under Arnett. I think we have we can eliminate that this year. I did like their play call when they did go for it on fourth down and score. Yeah, the, the old piggy. refrigerator Perry play. But I'll tell you this, everybody I was sitting there watching, watching the game with was saying the same thing. They had just tried to run the ball. We stopped them. Hey, watch play action. Watch play action. Because, you know, Lane's going to get cute. And I'll tell you this, too, while, while I'm on this, I think Ole Miss, when you really dive into their stats and you start seeing they were a different team against average football teams are better. They were a completely different team in the second half than the first half this year. It was almost like they come out with script. And, hey, the great play calls early on, and they just try to overwhelm you early. But if you can hang around with them, they don't make a whole lot of adjustments in the second half. Am I wrong for saying that? No, I think you're right. And I've, 
I can't decide what I think about Lane Kiffin. I tend to think the guy's a good football coach. I think he is really good. He's innovative. He's great at designing plays. I do think, though, it's fair to ask, what are his in-game adjustments like? You know, because part of the reason of scripting plays early is to figure out the tells from the defense to know what I'm going back to. But it's almost like they, they script some really good plays, but they don't learn a lot off of them. It's like the defense learns more about them than they learn about the defense. That, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm not entirely sure why, why that is. The other thing I was going to say about Lane Kiffin, and it relates to something we deal with. Look, we both have quirky coaches. Kiffin's a strange guy. Everybody talks about Leach being strange. They're both strange guys. Kiffin's a strange guy in a different way. He's, he's just California strange, right? The quirkiness, the tweeting, the tweeting from a yoga studio on the day of the Alabama game at Sam Pittman, basically saying, I don't see you here. All those things are kind of funny. The, the Juice Kiffin Twitter account where they, somebody's acting like they're his dog. All that's kind of funny when you win. But when it goes the other way, boy, doesn't it? Don't you turn? You're like, you know, Mike Leach on Halloween candy is a lot more interesting when you've just beaten somebody yeah. than, than having to relive it after a loss. It's going to be fun to watch and see how Ole Miss reacts in the coming days. They've lost the Egg Bowl. They don't know where their coach is. And Hey, how about this? Kiffin comes out last night. This is the one thing that I, I really struggle with. Kiffin comes out last night and really goes after the reporter, basically saying, because of you, I had to have a team meeting. Well, first of all, having a team meeting doesn't strike me in a football office as being a big deal. I would assume you communicate with your team daily. I uh, would think, yes. You know, and, and here's the other thing. Why is, why is the answer, then, if that is the case, if you weren't going, why didn't you just say, I'm not going? Yeah, I'm going to be at Ole Miss next year. The reason he didn't say that, the reason in my mind that he engaged in all these half answers is because he didn't know if he was going to be there. Well, and I think a lot of it, and, and Charlie, you and I kind of understand how to work the media in college sports and understand what goes on. I thought their playbook this week was very obvious. I don't think the Ole Miss administration knows what he's going to do. Because I don't know if Lane knows what he's going to do. Now, let me ask you this. And I don't think they can control him. They can't. They can't control him at all. Let's think back to losing in 2017 when everybody knew that Dan was looking. What if Dan doesn't get another job? How welcoming is he back with our fan base? How how we looked in 17. Now, if Kiffin goes back, how do they react to him? Now, here's what I say. I, I want to see the accounting on it because I don't believe it. But the Grove Collective coming out the other day with their numbers. Why do they put that number out? It's not about to show Auburn or show Lane support. It's trying to show another coach. They, they're trying to lure another coach is what they're trying to do. And, hey, we got money. We got a lot of stuff for you because that's for a new coach coming in. Now, by the way, you can bring a new coach in by saying, hey, we got all this stuff. But then they get there and say, hey, I thought I had all this stuff. Well, I mean, we had some. Sometimes you're lured with things that are really not we there. We're rounding. We're, yeah, we're, we're rounding <laughs> off to the nearest ten. No, and that creates a lot of issues, and it helps you lose coaches. I did think it was interesting that they were discussing their 2023 revenue when we're still in 2022, yeah. but nevertheless, that's all that's about. And unfortunately, we live in a world now where it's going to be very difficult to believe anything that anybody says about NIL because I can tell you from experience most of it is garbage. Most of it is absolutely, positively not true. Is there a ton of money out there? 
oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me be clear. There is. But it goes back to of trying to figure out, you know, how you're successful in this NIL world. And I think a lot of it has to do with making sure that you keep your roster intact. If we can keep our roster intact for next year, think about next year. We got eight home games next year. We trade Georgia for South Carolina next year. If you can keep your roster intact with NIL this year. Where are you if we start next year and you've got Cromedy back, you've got Pickering back, you've got Jet Johnson back, you got Buki Watson back. Oh, boy. you got DK on back. I mean, all of a sudden – Excuse me. All, All of a sudden. I'm I'm bound and determined. I'm going to get that <laughs> fixed. Uh, all of a sudden, you have a much better outlook. And and I'll just say it, man. You know, we talk about defense. You know what else we can do? We can bring our entire offensive line back, save our center. Yeah. And because of the different guys who've played, you got a chance to move some people around. Yeah. And that's that's what's hey, if you don't think the poachers are out there trying to look for some of your guys, you're mistaken. If we can keep our guys intact. How much better are you if your entire offensive line is back? How much better are you if Crumity and Pickering are back? How much better are we right now because Tyrus Wheat came back? Hmm. Well, it kind of showed up last night, didn't it? Showed up big time last night. You know, time. Colin Duncan can come back. And, and I get it. You know, Colin Duncan's not an all-SEC guy. But you're going to lose Green. You're going to lose Matthews. The older you are, the better you're going to be. That's the recipe for success here. And we've got a chance – Look, we're going to have some holes. And here's the other thing, too. The idea of coming back doesn't mean you got a spot either. True. You know, the idea is, you know what, I would love for Colin Duncan to come back and get pushed really, really hard, you know, because now what if one of those guys is getting half the snaps he used to? That means you brought somebody in who made you better. I think you're going to have to find a corner. You know, I, I, I would be surprised if we see Forbes back. Hey, he's played himself into a great situation. Charlie, you and I interviewed him, had him on our show. Early in the season, maybe before the season started, and man, what a what a great what a great I really guy. Really liked him. Really great kid, Mississippi guy from Grenada, and just like everything about him. Okay, before we talk about next year, now all of a sudden, you got it right. I got it right. Now all of a sudden, we have played ourselves into a situation where fans can have a destination bowl, I and mean, we got a chance to have a really good bowl. Georgia's going to go to the playoffs. Tennessee just lost their quarter, but they're going to go higher than we are. They're 9-2 and two overall, 5-2 and two in the league. They're going to beat Vanderbilt. Okay, but look at South Carolina. They're 4-4. Four and four. Clemson's probably going to wipe the field with them, I would think. They're playing at Clemson. That would make them 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in the SEC. So that would be the third-place team over on the eastern side. We just finished third place in the SEC West. LSU pick sixth. Yeah, pick, pick six. Pick we six. exceeded expectations. Yeah, pick sixth, and you finished third. Alabama's ahead of you. LSU's ahead of you. You win the head-to-head with Ole Miss. You're at least a game above Arkansas. I mean, we got a chance to go to a really, really good bowl after you beat Ole Miss in, in the battle for the Golden Eggs. So, man, I don't think you could have drawn it up well, you could have drawn it up better. If you'd have beaten Kentucky, you'd have beaten LSU early in the season, you'd be sitting here at 10-2. and two. But at the end of the day, you beat Arkansas, you beat Auburn, and you beat Texas A&M all in the same year. Is this enough for us to get the buy-in? Doesn't it feel like from the beginning there has been kind of a, a large group that just wasn't sure if they wanted to get on the Mike Leach bandwagon? I hate to bring up the old bandwagon 
commercial they did, but it just I said coming into this game that I'd never seen a bigger disconnect between a seven and four team and its fan base than what I'd felt because there just didn't seem to be optimism. And I think in large part it was because we've kind of sat around all year and had to hear how great Ole Miss was and I think sometimes we measure ourselves against them too much. Yeah, I think so. Is this enough to erase that? I would hope it would be. I think, I mean, as as bad as it seems, I think a lot of folks just measure about what's going on up the road. And that perception, this perception reality, a lot of times it's not, especially with that bunch up the road. And you and I are guilty of that, too. We are. I mean, let me be clear. I Maybe less so than I used to be, but I don't like picking up the paper and reading how great they are. No. Well, I don't pick up the paper, to be honest with you, unless it's a Winston County Journal or a Neshoba Democrat or something local. I mean, do you really pick up the paper? I really don't. I never do. It was more of a figure of speech. Really. I understand. Scroll you, Twitter. How about that? You went after me with uh, eye candy. I'm going after you with picking up the Pick paper. Pick up the paper. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we haven't mentioned our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startville. Nothing makes you feel any better after an Egg Bowl win or a battle for the Golden Egg win than getting a new car or a used car or getting getting it serviced. Get your oil changed. Spray in bed liner, get some new brakes, get a dent fixed in your car, get it spruced up in time for the Christmas season. So go by and see your friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. They'll take care of you. Their customer service is what sets them apart in the car business. And go by and see our friends at Cannon Ford. I really don't know the last time I picked up a paper now that I've said that. But you know what? I might go get one today. I picked. I literally picked up a Winston County Journal the other day at the grocery at the uh, Warrior One Stop. They deliver all the way out there? Man, do they? You know, I've never been to the Warrior One Stop. Have you not? I think we could do a show from there. Let me tell you this. If you got out there at about 645 any morning, we would have about five or six guys, my dad included, that could give us an opinion on anything you want to hear. So can you get, like, coffee and breakfast and that kind of thing? They will cook any – Miss Melissa will cook anything you want. Like a biscuit? Sausage, not just a biscuit. I mean, if you want anything, she'll cook you an omelet. She'll cook you. Oh, really, man? It's made to order, man. And she is a fantastic. They're both fantastic cooks there. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, we live in the oasis of America, is mm-hmm. what Nanawoya is. Hi, right, Charlie. I just can't get over. I mean, like last night, you've got so much running through your mind because one is it's almost like you don't want to say in shock, but to win the way we won. When we did not play our best, that's what leaves you sitting there saying, "Man, this that was a that was a special night because we did not play as well." Hey, we haven't talked about the fumble. We haven't talked about late in the game. You've got the eight point lead. They've already thrown all the junk on the field. They threw a lot of stuff at Ducking when he caught the touchdown. Then they were mad because the officials actually got it right with the lateral pass. And then you get the ball. You know, we thought Dylan Johnson scored. If Dylan Johnson didn't score, why didn't they put the ball at the full one-yard line? I mean, yeah, if, if he was that. short, it was like two inches short. But it really doesn't matter. But you fumble right there. You I get didn't love like, the play call. I did not like that play call uh, at all. And it goes back to something earlier. Some of my text groups, there was a play where Will was scrambling. We ultimately scored a touchdown on the drive. But he got down on the ground four or five yards before there was a defender there. And a lot of guys were saying, you know, you got to get tough and take the contact there. And I was like, this guy hadn't taken contact all year. Why do we want to do that? Then, so then it showed – then I kind of had a lot of I told you. Um, I didn't love the play call there. And, and me, I'm a little 
probably too conservative. I'd have handed it to Dylan Johnson three times, and if we lost five yards, I wouldn't care. I'd have kicked the field goal. Well, we were standing by each other at the time because we were like, the clock is more important. It's just, hey, if you run it down, you get fourth and goal from the one, you kick the field goal, you're up two scores with a, you know, two, three minutes to go in the game, you win the game. I mean, I thought if you're in a tie game or if you need a, if you need a touchdown, that's when you may call that play for Will Rogers to try to keep them off balance a little bit and maybe you can walk in. But you're playing conservative right there. You already have the lead. Kicking the field goal right there would have been big. But, hey, it all worked out in the end. Randy Charlton. You know who else we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about our punters. Massimo Biscardi, man, popping that field goal through. The punters, George Georgopoulos. Both these guys averaged 47 yards a punt last night. Georgopoulos had a long of 56. Trafford had a long of 55. Two out of three punts from Georgopoulos were pinned inside the 20. One of Trafford's two was. At the end of the day, that was a big part of winning this football game was the fact that we were successful punting it. I would say the other thing that helped us is our punters got a lot less work in the second half than they did the first. Ole Miss, meanwhile, had to punt three times. Here's, again, this juggernaut that is this Ole Miss offense. Here's what they did in the second half. Punt, punt, turnover on downs, punt, fumble, and then a touchdown. It's easy for us to talk about, you know, our offense went in a hole. These guys punted the ball six times yesterday and turned it over on downs and had a fumble. Well, and two, it goes back to the defense. They didn't have any fourth and twos. They didn't have any fourth and ones at midfield. They had fourth and sixes. They had fourth and sevens, which changes the analytics completely. And two, the only time you gave up field position, as, as poor as your offense was playing, you were still winning the field position game because you were able to flip the field with your punts. The only time we gave them field position is when we turned the ball over. And so you have to feel like it's kind of a knock for them when State can't get anything going offensively, yet we're still taking all of our snaps at our own 20-yard line. That has to hurt. In the end, you add it all up. It's an Egg Bowl win. We're going to a good bowl. Have to be the best bowl game we've been to in a long time, right? No, it has to be. I guess we could get sent back to the Outback. Yeah, it could be. You sent back to the I would think you're going to Florida. There's no way we're not, is there? Hey, let me tell you something. Well, yeah, good point. I know where this is going. League office is going to get involved in this one. League office is going to get involved in this one, but I think when you when you stack it all up, man, hey, they could ship us to the Idaho Bowl right now. I shouldn't say I don't care, but for today, after last night, we're eight and four. What's Chris Jan say? If you ain't a dog, you're dog food. <laughs> I ended the post game with that last night. And the Dan Mullen. There's only one program on the rise right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We got anything else? I no. could talk forever this morning because hey, I'm somewhat no, irrational. I, I do want to just say, looking back on this football season, I know we've got more to go with a bowl game and that kind of thing. But I, I am super, super appreciative of all the people who have stopped me. Um, I was walking through the junction one day, and you know, a lot of college guys yelled at me, hey, we love the podcast. I, I'm very, very appreciative to everybody who listens and puts up with us, particularly on days like this where we're probably a little more emotional than analytical. Yeah. Um, but I, am, I, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listened because it's been so – it's been cool, man. Yeah, it's been really cool to, to hear the number of people who listen and who care about Mississippi State, and so just thank you. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm same way, man. Hey, we beat Ole Miss. It's time for a group hug, and it, it is. And it's, here's here's too. You know, you know, we don't we we try not to pump ourselves too much, but it's amazing how we started this show a couple years ago, and and what it's grown to now, and how it continues to grow, and and we're so appreciative of that. Our our, our numbers are way better than anything we've ever had, which is kind of amazing. Just two guys who grew up watching Mississippi State sports and, and to do this each and every week, man, it's a, it's an absolute blast. So, Hey, what's uh, next for us? Do we come back after the bowls? We'll probably come back for Sunday coffee next week, right? The day after the SEC championship game. I think that'd be good. Let's do that. I'll tell you what. Let's not do Sunday coffee. Let's do a decaf version late in the afternoon, maybe after the bowls come out and we figure out the bowls and maybe where we're going, and we come back and do a, somewhat of a bowl show next Sunday. How's that? You got a deal. Okay. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us once again. Thanks to our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Farm Bureau, go with a home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, go to tracksplus.com. Cannon Ford of Startville over on Highway 182 east of Startville. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys listening to Friday Coffee after the dogs win in the battle for the golden egg.